for joining me for quite excellent episode number 29. Today, I'll be reading one final school-related poem. Probably the final, maybe. You at least won't get one next week, okay? Uh, This poem is Diane Ackerman's School Prayer, which comes to me from the fourth edition of the Siegel Book of Poems, edited by Joseph Kelly. But before we get to what may or may not be the last school-related poem of the year, we need to revisit last week's poem, the excerpt from A Song About Myself by John Keats. This poem was as approachable to students as I hoped it would be, although there are still a few great mysteries in this one students can drag out, which is perfect given the frustrating lack of mysteries within the poem's narrative by the naughty boy. This does not mean that students didn't come up with some good readings, though. They did. They were fantastic. We'll look closer at those after reading the poem again to make sure it's fresh in our mind. Okay, so here's that poem. From A Song About Myself, John Keats. There was a naughty boy, and a naughty boy was he. He ran away to Scotland, the people for to see. Then he found that the ground was as hard that a yard was as long, that a song was as merry, that a cherry was as red, that lead was as weighty, that fourscore was as eighty, that a door was as wooden as in England. So he stood in his shoes, and he wondered, he wondered, he stood in his shoes, and he wondered. Students consistently connected the perspective of the poem's naughty boy to the common saying that the grass is always greener on the other side. In him, just as in the saying, they see the reality of the wrongness in assuming something else is just necessarily better for being different. On the contrary, students recognize consistently that despite leaving his home to Scotland with the promise of something new and different, the boy finds that everything is the same. Ground, doors, songs, everything. Leaving his home behind him doesn't appear to have offered him anything but what many students described as regret or disappointment as he stands at the poem's close, just wondering to himself. Students read in this poem that he thought he would find something different, an escape. One student, pointing with interest to the similar hardness of the ground in Scotland, suggests that he may have been hoping for ground that was figuratively softer, more welcoming and rewarding, maybe. The realization that the world has a kind of sameness to it regularly um, was a point by which students identified some learning that may have occurred for the boy. The hardness of the ground in a couple of readings demonstrated that, quote, wherever he stood was just as difficult to stand upon. A few argued that he learned that he'd made a mistake, that by the end he is wondering if the move was really worth it. One reading suggests a profound thoughtfulness on the part of the boy, that by the end he is wondering if maybe all the places are the same, and as a result it isn't the place that matters, but him. A number of students talked about how the punctuation and structure of the poem was contributing to the text, and I'm just going to tell you this outright. This is my favorite kind of analysis. I just love it. Punctuation and structure are so easily overlooked, uh, and making sense of how they work to create meaning requires very creative thinking. It's really difficult, but when a student manages it, it feels like a magic trick, and we have some of that very magic from students here. 
with the use of a single sentence and many commas to develop the idea among a few students that the lack of periods suggests that the boy was eager to move forward in his life, not stopping until at the end he is forced to stand and just wonder to himself. Part of this structure is how straightforward the boy's observations are between the commas, each just a few words between line breaks and each comma arriving after only a couple lines. One student suggested that his calm, thoughtful responses and simple observations in Scotland made him not actually appear as naughty as the text initially describes him. If I can interject, uh, because I think this is a pretty interesting and clever observation, maybe he was only described as naughty because he was so eager to leave. Another student noted that there is a sing-song quality to this poem, that the basic paired rhymes and uh, structure... Uh, as a result, uh, <clears throat> another student noted that there is a sing-song quality to this poem with the basic uh, paired rhymes, uh, and as a result, the combination of lyrical structure and disappointing end make the song a kind of parody on the grass is always greener sing. The repetition of the word as, another student argued, emphasizes the similarity of Scotland to the boy's home in England, the as serves as a literal object of sameness in the poem, just as the things he observes in Scotland are. Finally, on the topic of structure, is a student who saw meaning in the use of a single sentence. The poem seems to be one of movement, where the journey is long and there's intermittent pauses, but ultimately beneficial. All in a sentence that doesn't stop until it displays, quote, a new truth. So what truth does this poem offer? What, what meaning did students find? Like many poems, the real meat of the meaning building comes from the closing lines, and students consistently leaned on the significance of the boy standing and wondering at the poem's end. Interestingly, they often connected this with the boy's state of mind. One student concluded that no matter where you go, if you are not in a good state of mind, you will always end up in the same place you are trying to escape. Another exploration on what the poem says through the boy's experience is solid enough that I'm going to really just quote a big old chunk of it. The student says that the poem is, quote, a metaphor for early childhood, where everything is new and exciting, it feels so innocent, and the poem challenges the melancholy of last week's poem. Keats is trying to convey a feeling of constant wonder and excitement because the poem, through its punctuation, never actually stops till the end of the stanza. Uh, the student further notes that because a song, quote, was as merry as at home, the poem, quote, solidifies the beauty of early childhood, that it, it doesn't matter where the boy actually is, that the merriness can follow him. Not all of the meaning was specifically about the boy, with a couple claiming that his realization wasn't about himself, but about his home, that in wondering as he stands at the end, he must also be wondering about his home in England, which is so much the same. Along this line, a student notes that if Scotland, the, quote, greener grass, in that saying, is the same as where he came from, then he may be wondering about his home at, at the end, and how green it might actually be, that maybe it is better than he remembers. All of these readings are just wonderful. Fantastic, the stuff of legends. An idea that I had about this poem that came to me as I was reading through the student responses was about the idea of escape that was mentioned in a couple. And then I looked at the shape of the overall poem and 
that's a key. Isn't it? Like the whole poem is just like the shape of a key, right? You can see in the first four lines a kind of bow. That's the fat part where a person holds the key. I, I look that up. I don't just know it. Uh, and then the consistently sized middle lines that make up the length of the key down to the teeth that alternatively jut out. Like this is like a classic key shape uh, for like your old style prisons and jails and stuff, right? But that that looks like a key to me. In this shape, I see the poem and the analysis of my students as something that is intended to be didactic. Now, this is a fancy word. It really just means intended to teach something. This poem wants to unlock something. Uh, and based on what my students had to say, mission accomplished. Our next poem is School Prayer by Diane Ackerman. Uh, after two poems that presented characters in the third person, I wanted something a bit more personal. Uh, I may have also wanted something that lets students really stretch those creative analytical muscles, which are going to be needed here. The poem starts by talking about the eyelids of mourning. There's definitely some weird figurative stuff happening, but despite some individual lines being a challenge to translate, I don't actually think the poem is going to be all that difficult for students to get the overall feel of. Because of this, I want students to include in their paragraphs a discussion of the actual title of the poem. I mean, what kind of prayer is this? It isn't actually religious. The poem never even mentions school. So what gives? For this reason, the secret passphrase is the title. I do not want my students to put this phrase in the response just to say what the title is. Do not say, the title of the poem is School Prayer. And just leave it at that. You got to actually talk about the title. Okay? What does it mean? Why is it used? That kind of thing. Here's this week's poem. School Prayer, Diane Ackerman. In the name of the daybreak and the eyelids of the morning and the wayfaring moon and the night when it departs, I swear I will not dishonor my soul with hatred but offer myself humbly as a guardian of nature, as a healer of misery, as a messenger of wonder, as an architect of peace. In the name of the sun and its mirrors, and the day that embraces it, and the cloud veils drawn over it, and the uttermost night, and the male and the female, and the plants bursting with seed, and the crowning seasons of the firefly and the apple, I will honor all life, wherever and in whatever form it may dwell, on earth my home, and in the mansions of the stars. Students, be sure to talk about the poem's title and use the title within your response. This poem also has stanzas, four of them actually, so you may want to use that term again, although I guess you don't have to. You do, however, have to keep putting the title of our poems in quotation marks. Remember to complete your paragraph-length responses by Wednesday, September 16th, and two replies to the responses of your peers by the Friday at the end of the week. Your paragraph-length responses should include a tag and make a claim in the opening sentence or two. Then support that claim with quotations from the poem and commentary that explains how these quotations support your claim. Be sure to read the assignment instructions for a full breakdown of the expectations. If you enjoy this podcast, have suggestions, or would like me to direct an eye toward a particular poem or poetic device, leave a comment on LeidenTeaches.com or on Twitter. I am at LeidenTeaches. 
The content of this podcast is used as a companion to class instructional activities, and ownership of these texts remain with their stated authors. Thank you for joining me for episode 29 of this podcast. I hope that between now and the next time you hear from me, you discover and savor a few things that you yourself find quite 